Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? This is the Stupid Answer Show. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Welcome to the season finale of the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, a 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer? Under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, our season finale, research, research, and more research. We are joined by the American Association for Cancer Research, Chief Executive Officer Margaret Foti, and Managing Director of Science, Policy, and Government Affairs, Don Retzlaff, and kicking off the Survivor Spotlight, Daniel Stolfi, Acute Non-Hodgkin's Key Lymphoblastic Lymphoma Survivor, Executive Producer, Writer, and Actor of Cancer Can Dance Like This. All right, as a reminder, folks, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. Online at stupidcancer.com, we help young adults fight cancer every single day and are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every single year. So hello, my friends, and welcome back to the season finale of the Stupid Cancer Show. And yet another fun-filled and exciting romp through the hay, where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and iTunes as we broadcast live from the Super Network Studio in downtown Manhattan. And it's time to please welcome our chief cancer anarchist and vice president of mission, Mr. Dr. Jack Buffard. What's up? Yo, yo, yo. Happy hey, holidays. Happy holidays. Uh, Lisa, you sound different. You have a cold? You sound different. That's okay. I'm allowed to cough. How come I I can't see you? Yeah, Lisa, are you invisible tonight? Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the home office of um, where is it? Where is it? Wahoo, Nebraska. Right. Yeah, Letterman esque. I'm, I'm roving tonight, missing you guys in person. She's actually riding Santa's sleigh around, giving it a test drive. For Are you Friday. building toys for children in the North Pole? I wish I was that talented. 
Okay. I can accept that <laughs> I, as an answer. I can. I'm not. I'm not um, building uh, toys for little uh, Jewish children like um, Hannah and Kobe. Well, I mean, they'll they'll accept toys for non-Jewish children. I mean, if if, <laughs> yeah. if it's a baby Jesus, we just won't won't use it. We'll regift it. Speaking of which, regifting is at an all-time high. I just read that on the news tonight. Yeah, so. it's like 38% of yeah. gifts in New Jersey are regifted. It's Jersey, Jersey has the highest regifting. Well, that's where the poll was taken. Right, right. Well, it's because everyone's <laughs> everyone's giving them season uh, uh, season one uh, uh, DVD kits of Jersey Shore, and no one wants that. That's right. not good for anyone. That's shit causes oh. cancer. It's bad stuff. Bad stuff. Uh, but Even anyway, I'm... Sorry, I what? I was going to say, even, even, dissing, even dissing our good friend John Sabia, who uh, shoots the show. Yeah, actually, John was in the office today to discuss how he's not going to be in the office later today. So he's not here tonight. But we are gearing <laughs> up to add video to the show starting next season, and it's going to be very exciting. But uh, Amanda Freeman, our, our broadcast production assistant, was not able to be here tonight. Uh, she is back in treatment. Uh, oh, I mean, she is has been back in treatment, but she was getting her rounds, I believe, this week and won't be able to join us. But she is doing well. She's on the rebound, and we're very excited for her to uh, get busy living, as we like to say here on the Stupid Cancer Show. And I guess one thing I wanted to just mention uh, is I typically am not a man of faith, for those of you that know me, but I do actually believe in prayer because I believe prayer is uh, almost irrelevant to religion. Prayer is a human need to put energy out to the universe in a collective fashion. And I have a request of all of our listeners tonight. In an interesting twist of fate, my first and only male cousin, I have two first cousins, a, a male and a female, my cousin David, my cousin Emily. My mother is an only child. My father has one sibling, and that sibling has my two cousins. My cousin David, who was the rabbi that married me and Jessica in 2005, has a brain tumor. And the doctors think it is the exact same brain tumor that they thought I had that I wound up not having because they thought I had a pilocytic astrocytoma, which is a glioma, but I wound up having medulloblastoma. So I am requesting that everyone put in a collective prayer for my first cousin, David Stein, David, uh, Rabbi David Allen Stein. He is going under the knife tomorrow for the surgery, and it is a big deal, a really big deal. Now, yes, technology has advanced uh, significantly, and uh, he's in much better shape than I was or would have been with uh, the, um, I guess, the mortars, pistols, and, and carved rocks that they used back in 1995 when I had my surgery. And hopefully he won't have to navigate a humongous snowstorm to get to his surgery. Right, right. He is in Los Angeles at Cedars, so okay. there will be no major storm of the century blizzard um, that uh, that prohibits him from actually having surgery tomorrow. Our friend Ann Kramer is also having surgery tomorrow. Ann Kramer. Yeah, so we'll wish her some good luck. Sending good vibes to Ann Kramer. Even though she does nothing but make fun of me and tell me I'll never succeed in life, Ann, I wish you well. <laughs> but she's not. But, but she's. But she's not the only one who does that, though, Jack. No, that's true. But in the as far as the stupid cancer show chat room goes, she's the most vocal. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, anyway. we wish them both well, Matthew. How old is Rabbi Stein? David is. Um, I think he's two. I think he was seventy-two, so he's two years older than me. He's going to be thirty-nine. You're seventy-one. Oh, oh, you're talking about the year of birth. <laughs> Shut I'm up, sorry. Jack. No, I'm yeah. not talking about Lisa. I'm talking about me. Oh, <laughs> and that is the first and only time I've ever zinged Lisa for her age. It is technically your job. It is. Thank you very much. So happy to have you join in on that, Matthew. My pleasure. <laughs> so, well, good vibes out to both. Definitely, and prayer. I'm right with you, Matthew. Uh, not big on religion myself, but 
always, always um, uh, a fan of prayer. So, Cousin David, we're here for you. We're listening. We love you, and we're wishing you the best tomorrow. What are the odds of, like, my first cousin totally stealing the wind away from me? I'm supposed to be the brain tumor guy in the family. Yeah. How dare he? That's, that's crazy. He's Unreal. stealing the thunder. That's just not okay. I, I'm personally offended. Maybe he'll have a PowerPoint and a nonprofit and a radio show someday. And twins. <laughs> yeah, and twins. Actually, no, my, 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 my cousin David has already one up everyone I know. He has five children. What? Wow. Or four children. Is it four children? I think he, no, he has four children. Yes, four children. Well, once you, once you pass, really once you pass two, who's counting anymore? It just becomes like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just tip the head back and a baby yeah, pops out? Yeah, just tilt your head back and a baby pops out your neck. I don't even want to think That's about like that. The Juggers, <laughs> the Duggers, the Duggers, or whatever. Did you say the Juggers. I don't know who the hell they are. I saw them on the Today Show. You watched once. The Bachelor. How could you not watch Eight Is Enough or whatever that show was called? No, no, no. These are people that I saw on the Today Show that had and like nineteen kids, and they just have another one. Nineteen kids and counting. And since we're all praying for surgeries and stuff, pray for that woman's uterus. Oh God. Oh my God. Not okay. <laughs> no, I don't. Just I don't not pray okay. for those people. Uh, uh. What's in the news? Whatever. What happened this week? Um, well, with us, our Stupid Cancer Forums has yes. taken off. We launched the Stupid Cancer Forums exactly one week ago. Uh, special props go out to Dr. Mr. Reverend Kenneth Kane, our VP of Operations, who is in studio tonight, for going the distance as the IT nerdgasm tech of the universe and uh, really building it from scratch in, like I think, less than 24 hours. So if everyone goes to stupidcancerforums.com, we are very proud to have launched this. It is a non-competitive, collaborative online forums that we see as a complement to a lot of the other services that are out there online these days. But it's geared more towards the caregivers of young adults, and that is the spouse, the partner, the sibling, the best friend, and even the parents. You have, if you're in your 20s or 30s and you have cancer, your parents are probably just as messed up. Well, not technically just as messed up, but as equally potentially emotionally disturbed and going through some crap. And wouldn't it be great if they could meet other parents of young adults who are sick? And that is the entire purpose of us launching these forums, to fill a gap for the caregivers. So we encourage everyone to sign up. It's free. It is. You can log in through Facebook, so there's no yet another login password to remember. You click the login through Facebook, takes you literally five or six seconds, and boom, you are in the Stupid Cancer Forums. And post it on your Facebook walls, share it on your blogs. The more people we have involved, the more the merrier, the more people know about our resources, and we'll join the conversation. Yes. Lisa, I hope it's a good place. I hope it's a good place for siblings to get involved, too. I know, for instance, I'm just one of two children, and I think my sister, who's four and a half years younger than I am, felt very alone and didn't know where to turn as sort of the only other child in the family when I was going through my illness. So... I think it would be a great space also for everybody out there who's got brothers and sisters who think, what can I do, who can I talk to, who's in the same place as me. Um, hopefully the forums will serve that purpose as well. Right, what we have, like 80 people sign up in the first week or something like so that? Like the first three days we had 64 people. 64 people in the first week, which is a success. Including a a, success. Like the, the one that stood out the most for me was a post that said, my child was just diagnosed with cancer. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. So you guys are helping to see the future of this by just taking literally five minutes. Go to stupidcancerforums.com. That's plural, stupidcancerforums.com. Sign up and help contribute. You never know who you're going to find over there that needs your help, that wants to know you're there, and basically you would be willing to help help change a life. 
not to make it sound like one of those Africa Children Village Water Malaria commercials. For ten cents a day, you can adopt <laughs> Matthew Zachary. We'll send you his picture. Right. <laughs> oh well, we don't have to send you his picture. <laughs> this, is, this is a man whose picture's been out there. We know. Yeah, I He's suppose. Seen your picture. Yeah, I don't need any more of that. That's just not okay anymore. But also, um, we launched the forums, and what else is going on? I've asked him back in the news yet again. Finally, just uh, uh, by yeah. the FDA. Yeah, uh, Genetech, not Genetech. Was it Pfizer or Genetech? Genetech went on record. They had like a public town hall. Genetech had a public town hall about it. A big deal. Yeah. Real big deal for a drunk company to, to actually have such transparency about the issue. It's a very controversial issue, but it's something sure. that I'm glad we're talking about. Lots of women with metastatic breast cancer are really unhappy about it, really convinced that it's a drug that helps keep them alive, you know, eight months, a year, three years. Uh, and certainly, you know, it's a drug that's used for many other cancers, but FDA uh, says no go, Yep. even though it is approved in uh, many other countries around Two the world. Two steps forward, three steps back. We come together because Jack has the clap. <laughs> Did you say I have to clap? No, yeah, yeah. All right, you know what we, sure. we we've been we've been we're gonna lose our survivor spotlight because he's not gonna like what we're he's gonna be like what I do what the hell am I signing up for here? So let's keep this guy in the air before he flees for his life. He'll be like every other guest. Yeah. Well, we didn't lose a sponsor; just be a spotlight. I'm excited to have this guy on the show, not just because he's from Canada. All right, Daniel Stolfi is the writer and performer of his one-man comedic show, Cancer Can't Dance Like This. The show has been touring all over Canada, raising over $65,000 for cancer-related charities, making people laugh, cry, laughing so hard they're crying, or crying so hard they're laughing, but perhaps crapping their pants. So while giving hope to anyone who has been touched by cancer, this simultaneously inspirational, hilarious, and heartbreaking show is not one to be missed. Please welcome to the show, Stupid Cancer, Young Adult Survivor, Daniel Stolfi. Daniel. Daniel. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We are excited to have you. I'm excited that I was introduced to you. And uh, you have an amazing, amazing story, amazing website, amazing talent. And congratulations on surviving stupid cancer. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, uh, on the show. So why don't we kick it off with, a, you know, give us your story. You had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, right? Uh, yes, I had um, the more uh, technical term was acute non-Hodgkin's T-lymphoblastic lymphoma. Oh, now you're geeking out on me. Yeah. So that's ten times fast. <laughs> such, a, such a show off. I'm showing off. I'm showing off. Is what that's I'm one hell of a Scrabble word. <laughs> <laughs> you get that on triple word and you win forever. Oh, yeah. And how old were you? Um, I was 25 years old. Isn't that the best age to get cancer? 25. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the prime, right? It's the prime so you can of your put life. your entire <laughs> career on hold to get better, and then wonder what the hell's going on when you're done. Right. Ig- ig- exactly. Yeah. Are, are you an, an, a um, a native Canadian? I am a native Canadian. All right. We yes. don't hold that no, against people for the record. So what can we blame them for today? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, actually, what it means that he's actually a much kinder, nicer, uh, accepting person than the rest of us. That's, that's well, my take you. on Canadian. That is un- that is unfortunately <laughs> accurate, and we we have yeah, no 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 apologies for it whatsoever. <laughs> so, what were you no. doing at 24 years old uh, before this sort of dropped the bomb on you? Well, I was I was actually um, actively uh, involved in uh, in acting uh, in Toronto and doing comedy and 
doing shows, and I was actually um, I was actually Captain Morgan. I don't know if you know you know Captain Morgan, the original Spiced Rum uh, <laughs> character. Sure. I, I yeah, know Lisa um, actually very, knows him very, very well. Very she well. has an intimate relationship oh, yeah. with Captain Morgan. Oh, yeah. And Johnny uh-huh. Walker yeah. and Jack Daniels. Let's <laughs> go way well, back. Well, I was actually touring around Canada as the captain, uh, promoting the uh, the rum. And, uh, That's was, the was greatest really, job in the world. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it was a That's really... <laughs> It was really cool. It was, it was it was a lot of fun, but um, and it was going really well. And uh, I was doing other gigs, and uh, the career was actually, you know, starting to take off. And then, um, you know, uh, one day I got a little bit sick. I thought I had a cold, and uh, turned and it out it was a and great. It wasn't a hangover. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't a hangover at all. Not from the, uh, not from the spice drum, but uh, it was well, a. Uh, do they know who, who wore tumor. the suit before you? Because it was like Typhoid Mary or something. <laughs> it's possible that the suit itself, you know, was it was a, uh, I'll just say, a conflamigant. Uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not too sure a... who was wearing that suit. Okay. <laughs> you should track that guy down. He's probably got typhoid somewhere or malaria. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, so you were on track. This was like you, you were, like, actually doing what you wanted to do. You were pursuing yes. a career in acting and dancing, and and then yeah. good old stupid cancer came and said, ah, 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 sorry, bro. Exactly, yeah. Stupid no. cancer came along and and took it away. So, that so the fact that you were Canadian, um, we, we always talk about the differential here and then the, the myths and the or legends and the truths of, of <laughs> your healthcare system versus our even suckier healthcare system. Oh. <laughs> what was it like for you? You didn't just walk in and say, I've got cancer. Okay, boom. They give you a little needle and you go home, you're done. It's no, not that simple well, in Canada, right? Okay. No, it's it's not that simple, but they um they were pretty quick to react, uh you know, as soon as they found out that uh that it was cancer. They uh they had me they had me in within uh the weekend, uh pretty much, you know, doing chemotherapy right away, so it was a pretty pretty aggressive. It was a pretty advanced uh, state, and they uh, they had me in there on uh, on the the Dana Fiber protocol, which was actually uh, or Dana Farber protocol, which was started in uh, Boston. Yeah. <laughs> Did that involve so, beans by any chance? Pardon? Did that involve any baked beans? No, no baked okay. beans. <laughs> All right. Speak, or, but, or what about Samuel have, Adams? Matthew, Matt, is Matthew, he gonna? He didn't have, he didn't have he, colon cancer, Matthew. No, no, well, he's no. not going to know a Boston reference when he's Canadian. Oh, he might. Samuel Adams, Boston logger. Right. Yes. Because so that would be the Dana-Farber <laughs> protocol that I would follow. <laughs> Sam Adams yeah. and Beans. Yeah, and Chowder. <laughs> and Chowder. He was already Captain Morgan, so he was already... He was already no, he was preceded to be a Bostonite. It, it was in your blood, yeah. dude. Yeah. You're probably right, but... Uh, <laughs> but. So did you... But did no, you Thing? Did you dance? Did you act? I mean, I read in your bio that it, it's. I mean, obviously, it, this seems to make sense, but it's a real honest component. Is it mm-hmm. disenfranchised you to the point where, like, being creative and being artistic, you just weren't interested? It just. It was yeah. all. Everything was the suck. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. There was a lot of uh, a lot of me wanting to sort of give up. Part of me thought, you know, I, I think that's it. I got to hang up the boots, and uh, you know. And I'll never be getting back into it because I'm fighting for my life right now, and you know there's no way I'm gonna be able to beat this and then get back into the lucrative <laughs> acting career. 
Well, you know, you get into this for the money, right? It's all about the money. Oh, that's. I mean, it's about the cash money, and if you can't have it, then <laughs> then why continue? You yeah. know, no. Um, just joking, but it was. Um, it was a tough. It was a tough decision. I, I really thought I'd I'd be giving up. So, uh, but I decided not to. I decided to um, to use it as motivation and uh, and to to try to bring get something positive out of it. So, I created now, my show. One of the things I find intriguing about your story is reminds me of my story. Not that it's about me, but I was diagnosed uh, in college, and at the time I was a concert pianist, and I lost the use of my left hand. Uh, I lost my hair, I lost my sex drive, I lost lost my strength, I lost 110 pounds in three months, and they told me I'd never play again and that I'd be dead in six months. So, you know, that was 15 yeah. years ago next week, so they can go fuck themselves. But at the end of the day, right. I completely resonate with everything you've gone through, and I applaud you for overcoming that. But that's the part that's most intriguing. How? Not that there's a quantifiable answer to that, but mm-hmm. what do you attribute to your overcoming that and, and still being here today? And don't um, say it's a Michael Jackson jacket. <laughs> you know what's funny is I'm looking at a poster of Michael Jackson right now, which is which is funny. But um, <laughs> that's funny because I'm looking at a picture of you in a Michael Jackson jacket right now. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you know what? It was it was just the the desire and the realization that there's there's nothing else uh, that I wanted to do in life than to be on stage, you know, and and, and, or, and to perform and to entertain again, and uh, and, and so. I used that uh, motivation of getting back on stage again and, and being there again um, as a way to get through those days where it's, you kind of want to give up and uh, and call it quits kind of thing. So um, writing a show and having something that I really wanted to put out there um, really helped me get through it. So, Daniel, would, tell us exactly yeah. what we would see if we if we uh, got the great opportunity to see see your show. You would you would see a very uh, real raw. Um, I won't hold anything back, uh, and, and it's it's a funny show about about a, a heavy subject matter, you know. And it's and it's hard for people to be like, ah, oh, you know, when you try to explain it to somebody, they're like, ah, oh, it's a show about this guy had cancer. I, I don't know. It's supposed. Well, to be we understand funny. that because we did this radio show and we try to tell exactly. people that it's, that it's funny as well. Hopefully, on a good day. So I yeah. totally hear you on that front. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of a hard sell, but I'm going to tell you, it's when when people come to see it, the 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 reaction uh, across the board is that's one of the best shows I've ever seen, and I need to tell everyone I work with to come see this show. And these are people who haven't had cancer or maybe don't even know anything about it. So they learned something. They you know they left with some inspiration, some motivation to. Uh, to do things in life that maybe they wouldn't normally do, and it's kind of um, it, it, it's 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 it, it, and they laugh really hard, where they're you know crying and crying and laughing and, and pooing their pants, you know that kind of thing. So, and and what do people who are not in your media family have to say about the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my mother. Right. Um, no, and it, this, this is complete, these are complete strangers. These are complete strangers. Um, yes, of course. Of course, I do the moonwalk. I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. Uh, he was a huge inspiration in my, in my, in my life, and I think in a lot of people's uh, lives who are in the entertainment business or any any sort of uh, showmanship type of thing. And uh, yes, I, I can, I can do the moonwalk and, and all that kind of stuff. I have a question. 
Wait, oh my God, Jack wants to contribute, we hope. Okay, Okay. so the name of your show is Cancer Can't Dance Like This. So yes. the question is, if your cancer can't dance, the, the, <laughs> I shoot it up. All right, Jack is... Because I'm afraid no, people are going to get it, but if your cancer don't dance, does that mean your daddy don't rock and roll? <laughs> God damn it, Jack. Oh. You know, we, we oh, owe Jack... I'm sorry, we have to owe, we owe Jack this. Hang on. <laughs> All right, now. You know why? Because I was thinking of like the little babies that in the audience, like Lindsay Gina, who wouldn't understand that. I'm changing it into Jack Buffale. <laughs> just disconnect his microphone, please, Matthew. Yeah, cut his mic. I'll anyway. do a, I'll do a uh, Bill O'Reilly. Cut his mic. Cut his mic. So, so Daniel, I, I have to ask, that head yeah. of hair of yours. Yes. Is that real? That is real. That is real hair. My hair was very. Stolen from uh, Screech Powers. <laughs> very thick. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten someone's story. Oh, now I'm funny, huh? (laughs) No, you know, that that was my head of hair in college, and I lost my hair, and it never came back. So, God damn you. Yeah. Yeah, I would tell for that today. Wait, is that a Jew though? What is Stolfi? No, no. What is Stolfi? Stolfi's Italian, actually. All right, that works. I got hammered on Stolfi last weekend. So Daniel, what? Um, Daniel had said, no idea this is what he's gonna what he was in for yeah. the show. But wait a minute, he was a part of you. You were part of Second City Conservatory program. That's um, we're talking the same Second City as the great SCTV folks, your fellow Canadians like Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis and all those guys. Yes, Andrea yes, Martin. Was, That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, in Toronto. They have different Second Cities all over the place. The Chicago, Toronto. I think New York has Second Cities, obviously. And, is, LA isn't, Toronto, isn't, isn't Toronto the originator though? Because they're all connected like you are. Yeah, Toronto. Toronto is the first. Uh, it's the, I believe the first place. Yeah, is 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 the first second city, and I think Chicago may have originated in yeah. Chicago. Actually, I don't want to. Uh, actually, that's right. It's Chicago because Chicago is the second yeah. city next to New York. Yes, you, there you, you go. Correct me. I I I should know that. Um, so you have performed yeah. at Second. You you performed your show at Second City in Toronto. Uh, yes, I did. That's where I premiered it. That's where, uh, yeah, I first staged it. So it was a, and it, it meant a lot to me in that sense because that's where I kind of went to school for a little bit. And I said, you know, I'm going to rock this stage and uh, do my show here. So it was that's good. crazy kudos, man. Crazy kudos. Cool. Thanks. We love Very to much. just, I mean, the Survivor Spotlight exists for this very reason. We want to showcase that not only is it possible to survive. But it's mm-hmm. possible to meaningfully survive and to maintain your dignity and to maintain your creativity and to redefine sort of the what's next, the Stolfi 2.0, if you would. Right on. Yeah, with, exactly. Yeah. W- with the essence of your of your very spirit and being. And I, I can't congratulate you enough for embodying all of that. That's just extraordinary. Cool. We got to get you to New York, though. We got to get your ass to New York, though. We got to do that. I would love to. I was was thinking that his his show is very similar to Jonna's body. Please hold, where it's you know hers isn't music and dancing. It's a it's a play, but it's her cancer story, and this is his cancer story portrayed through art. It's incredible, just extraordinary. We'll get you up on our website. Get them as like a double bill. Where are you in Canada? Um, I am. I'm in Toronto in uh, in Canada right now, um, and I've been performing the show in different different places in uh, in Canada. I just went to Newfoundland to do the show. In did you do that for yeah. Jeff Eaton and the group out there? I did for Young Adult Cancer Canada. Yep, 
Love that best. group. Jeff Eaton's the man. Yes. Then he's also 11 yeah. feet tall. So. Yeah. <laughs> he's very tall, and he is he is the man for sure. Well, we're we're out yeah. of time. These these go fast, but I'm excited to have had you on the show. We we have you know hundreds of thousands of listens every all, all the time. Uh, what is your message to the world? Uh, don't let anything uh, stop you from doing what you love doing. Uh, no matter what anybody says, just keep doing it and uh, don't look back. And how can people get in touch with you? Um, they can go to the website at uh, cancercantdancelikethis.com, and uh, there is there's uh, uh, my face, Facebook fan page, which is also Cancer Can't Dance Like This, and uh, oh, it's on Twitter, uh, Cancer Can't Dance, and uh, that's, uh, that's that's those so are the, basically you made it impossible for people to get in touch with you. That's what I did. Yeah, I made it as inconvenient as possible. That's a great marketing ploy. Yeah. If I could call me on my cell phone too, but right, right, right. <laughs> and your social security number is right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, He's Canadian, Matt. No, so. all right. Well, your Mountie number is. What's yeah. your moose ID number? <laughs> Ooh, right. that's they're, bad. They're good. What's your Rob Morrow identity ID number? <laughs> What's your number on your hockey jersey? <laughs> there you go. That one's more accurate. Okay. All right. Dan- all right. Well, uh, all right. On that note, I don't note, think Daniel even. I don't even. I don't think Daniel has the phone up to his ear anymore. No. No, we're done with. But Daniel, we have a lot of people in Toronto and Ontario that already now know about you, and they're already mentioning you in the chat room, and we'll hopefully make some great connections, do some good events together. Right on. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me on the show. All right. All right. Thanks God a bless, lot. and happy holidays, man. Happy New Year. Thanks, Daniel Sophie from thanks. Cancer Can't Dance. You Cancer Can't Dance. Why? And your daddy don't rock and roll. All right, let's oh, blow okay. through the news here real quick, Jack. And uh, where's the news here? All right, let's keep the news, and boom. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, during this part of the stupid cancer show, we listen to Jack Buffard eloquently stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff, free stuff, that we don't want you missing out on, like cancer conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, kayaking trips, support groups, bar curls, concerts, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to broadcast during this part of the show, please send an email to Jack Buffard. It is Jack at stupidcancer.com. That's Jack at stupidcancer.com. Should I take it away, Matt? Take it away, Boof. Thank you. All right, first up in your Stupid Cancer News, very important and very exciting from our friends at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. They are offering another new webcast for YA cancer survivors. That's us. Living Life Managing Cancer, it's called. It's happening on Wednesday, January 5th, 2011, from 8.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we want everyone to be there. You can head on over to www. LLS.org slash YA Connect. That's LLS.org slash YA Connect. Again, Wednesday, January 5th from 830 to 10, it's going to be a doctor, a nurse, and a social worker. And there's going to be a lot of young adult survivors in there. There's an online chat. So, again, head on over to LLS.org slash YA Connect. All right. We have events.stupidcancer.com. Events.stupidcancer.com. 
is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. <clears throat> Next up, we have TeamStupidCancer.com, which is the nation's first running team exclusively supporting young adults. We have 25 young adults, some of them survivors, running on behalf of the Up to Young for the Cancer Foundation. So if you would like to make a pledge and help support this fabulous organization of ours, head on over to TeamStupidCancer.com. All right, folks, BoofNews.StupidCancer.com. What is that, and how come it doesn't sound familiar? It's the new address of the Boof News blog. Being that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I've created the Boof News blog. Everyone needs to check out BoofNews.StupidCancer.com. That's B-O-O-F news.stupidcancer.com. It is the official list of all stupid cancer news resources, including surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. Now, as everyone is well aware, tonight is our season finale. The season premiere for net, for the 2011 season is January 17th. Yes, it is. Which is like two and a half weeks before OMG registrations go live on February 5th. Yes. So the next month, you, you need to mark on your calendars that OMG 2011 registration goes live at noon Eastern time on February 5th. The OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults is happening here in New York City April 16th and April 17th. And just because we're, do- we're gone for a month doesn't mean that you should not know about it. So, again, mark your calendars. February 5th at noon, registration for OMG 2011 goes live. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. All righty. Thank you, Jack. How's that for stammering? One quick note before we bring in our guests for tonight's roundtable discussion on the most amazing topic I can imagine, uh, innovative breakthroughs in cancer research that matter. I am going to be celebrating my 15-year anniversary. All right, let's bring out our next guest. Hi, very nice and I'm giving myself a round of applause to celebrate my 15-year anniversary during be, our hiatus. Will there be punch and pie? There will be punch and pie. Welcome. I'm going to punch pie? you in your pie. <laughs> what? Pie? <laughs> my pie hole? Yes, yes exactly. Yes, on December 20, 29th, I will be celebrating my 15-year anniversary, and then again on January 10th, which is the day of my surgery, I will be once again celebrating my official, what I consider my official 15-year anniversary. because when you're laying on an operating table and it takes an ice cream scoop to your brain to take something bad out, that's the monumental day that kickstarts your survivorship. So while I was diagnosed on December 29th, January 10th, 2011 will be my 15-year Surgiversary, 15-year brain tumor cancerversary. What, Jack? Remember how I used to celebrate January 7th as my cancerversary of being diagnosed? Right. Well, it's actually January 8th, so January 8th will be my three-year cancerversary of being diagnosed. All right, Jack gets... Uh, Jack might not get applause for that. We'll just give Jack... How about this. an Ember moment? We'll give that, that he's still alive. How about that... Eating mo- Big Macs and Atomic Wings and Dunkin' Donuts and... We had Atomic Wings for lunch oh, today. Oh, God, <laughs> Jesus, man. Uh, All right, well, hey, listen, I'm prepping for this half marathon. I have to applaud both of you for your your anniversaries. Thank you, I'm not until May, so you guys pick up the the kick off the year. Very nicely done. 15 years, and Jack, you're you're three years? 
It'll be three years of my diagnosis. Yes. Your diagnosis. Well, people have different cancerversaries. I, I typically identify with three specific days, and I know we get to our guests not to delay this, that, uh, you know, I was diagnosed December 29th, my surgery was January 10th, and my last day of treatment was March 30th. So depending on where I am in my life and what I'm feeling those specific days, there are the three specific days, but if I had to nail one down, the fifth, it's almost like a three-month celebration of Jesus Christ, I'm still here, and I have beautiful twin children, and I'm married, and all this, you know, stuff that I, I'm really just blessed to have. And you're still devilishly handsome. And I'm still devil. De- what? All right. Anyway, because chemo, well, for me, I, I'm kind of at a loss because chemo don't cure ugly. <laughs> no, it doesn't. All right. You know, on that note, I'm going to free our guests from the shackles of waiting. <clears throat> All righty. Today we are speaking with Dr. Margaret Foti. She is the CEO of the American Association for Cancer Research, known as the AACR. They are the oldest and largest professional organization dedicated to advancing high-quality innovative cancer research. The AACR's more than 33,000 members make up the full spectrum of cancer researchers and clinicians, healthcare professionals, and cancer survivors in the United States and more than 90 other countries. Dr. Foti is joined by John Retzliff, Managing Director of Science Policy and Government Affairs at the AACR. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, an honor and a privilege to have them, Dr. Margaret Foti and John Retzliff from the American Association for Cancer Research. Margaret, so John, much. a pleasure welcome. to have you. Thank you. And thank you for featuring cancer research on, on this special program at your season finale. And thank the listeners as well. Oh, it's our pleasure. I was inspired by the amazing stories of, of Daniel and Jack, and, and really I, I, I can't tell you how much it means to us back here in the trenches to know that people like you are out there trying to help the field. And it means well, a lot to have you on thrilled. our radar as well. Absolutely. We wanted to go out with a bang this season. Well, we started this season with a bang. Margaret, you may not know, John, you may not know, that our season opener, our season uh, premiere this year, featured uh, Laura Ziskin and Stand Up to Cancer. So we are bookending the entire season around <laughs> the brilliant relationships that you guys have forged, that we, which we finally can embrace a national initiative that benefits everyone in a very meaningful and innovative way. Thank you. It's It's been quite an, an interesting uh, project to be involved with with these eight wonderful women who have uh, decided to do something about this disease, and and they are really making a difference. They're raising a, a lot of money, which is needed right now because both the government and philanthropic funding is, is you know, either flat or going down a bit, and so they are really trying to address this dread disease. So why don't we kickstart with, um, I mean, it's such an open conversation to have, and I was I was sent all these amazing talking points about all the amazing stuff you're doing. I, I think the most relevant issue for our audience, which is always done through the lens of sort of the young adult and not necessarily the pediatrics or the traditional mainstream population uh, of Americans that are diagnosed with cancer, is how is it determined what works for a specific person? And the trend that is moving away from an organ-specific research to more of a genomic treatment protocol or philosophy even. Have you seen a a, a monumental shift in that over the last couple of years? Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, you may know that I've 
been in this position for a couple of decades, and uh, there has been a major shift in in the way uh, doctors approach uh, treating their patients. Uh, we're now not uh, just looking at the, the organ site, but of course now they're doing what is called molecular targeted therapies, which really is to target a pathway, which may be involved in multiple cancers. And so there's a belief that if we can do uh, more and more research in this area, we will be able to save more lives. If you know the genomic makeup of an individual, um, you can definitely get the right drug to the to the individual and have much greater success, and of course improve the survival. Uh, so I, you know, we're, it's an exciting time to be um, to be involved in cancer research when we have uh, all of this basic science knowledge that can now be applied to the clinic. And tell us exactly how you work, how it works with Stand Up to Cancer, because I know in reading about um, these sort of dream teams, is that something that you're um, involved with, and can you speak more to that relationship? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, we got involved with uh, Stand Up to Cancer about uh, almost three years ago, and uh, we were very excited to be selected as the uh, the sole scientific partner. Uh, and our, our role really is to... Um, uh, conduct uh, through peer review uh, by experts in the field um, uh, a number of, um, of, of projects that will basically um, make sure that there's a, a proper administration and, and management of the funds. Uh, managing the grants, we, uh, we're, we're involved in both um, large multi-institutional grants and also um, uh, smaller grants to young investigators. Uh, providing scientific oversight uh, uh, through a, a very special scientific advisory committee led by a Nobel laureate uh, Philip Sharp. So um, we're very much a partner, and um, and we're thrilled that uh, in um, in the round of uh, young investigator awards, these are the innovative research grants. That there were a number of um, pediatric cancer uh, grants given. Um, it's exciting to see. That practically all you know a number of uh, major air, uh, tumors were covered by not only the Dream Team multi-institutional grants as well as um, these smaller young investigator grants uh, that are being funded. We're now involved in a second round of the innovative grants, um, and I, I'm thrilled to say that we'll be getting close to giving those new awards in April. So it's a very unique focus on collaboration and. Um, and I know I've learned a lot. Multi-institutional grants are very complex, but what it does is it brings a lot of uh, experts together who normally would be competing with each other, and now they're collaborating in very unique ways. And um, and we think it's going to really um, be uh, amazing in terms of uh, what can get possibly done get done in the next couple of years. So the fundamental. Sorry, Lisa. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and, and to that point, you mentioned pediatric grants. Um, again, as Matthew mentioned, to our audience, um, the sort of adolescent, the AYA community, while yeah. they are dubbed such, it's, there isn't technically still yet um, that category of medicine really that exists. But do you see there being specific um, AYA grants as you uh, carve out you know, pediatric grants as well? Yes, I mean, you know, we, we speak of pediatric grants very very broadly. Um, uh, as you, I'm sure you know, adolescent and young adult um, cancers are viewed as somewhere between 
uh, 18 and 39 years of age. Uh, you're focusing on presumably um, uh, 20 to 39 years of age in that region. And that, unfortunately, has not uh, been um, a group that's uh, been uh, studied very heavily. And so realizing that more attention needs to be given to uh, to young adults who get cancer, uh, I think that uh, the world is looking at uh, how they can address those cancers, um, especially given the importance of the long lives ahead of, of these individuals, especially those of, you know, like Matt and others who who uh, have a, a long life ahead of themselves. Uh, we, we see survivorship as being very important. As a matter of fact, uh, our organization has just formed a, uh, a survivorship task force to, that will be looking at the aging process, but that's starting with, with uh, very young people and, and looking at every every, um, uh, in a sense, um, age as you go along through life. In other words, aging is not just the, for the aged. <laughs> it, it starts, at a, you know, at, at, the, at a baby stage. So uh, I think that survivorship is an exciting new area that's being looked at by a number of research organizations, especially the AACR. Well, if there's a if there's a bottom of the list, if everyone bails on your your survivors committee, I volunteer myself to fill the gap. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. We'd love to have your involvement. Uh, we think this is going to be a very exciting opportunity for us to uh, to look at these cohorts, and um, and I think young adults are an extremely interesting group to look at. As you probably know, uh, the uh, risk factors are very high. Survival, in some cases, is not as uh, great as we would like and so um we're we're hoping to do more and uh, ensure a, a good survival for all all groups all age groups and that sort of raises the conversation about the innovation here which is the fundamental philosophical shift from chasing the money to chasing the science and i again i i applaud you for doing that but you are still are you are you still funding traditional basic science at the same time through an, an integrative relationship with the translational stuff as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that we all have to recognize that without laboratory science, without basic research as the underpinnings of what, what we can do, we, we won't have anything to translate to the clinic. So right now, of course, uh, uh, there's there are some major studies being done that are government-funded that are looking at uh, the cancer genome. You know, we had the Human Genome Project. Now they're looking at cancer genomes, and I think that information is going to be very important uh, to cures going forward. In fact, uh, uh, brain cancer is one of those cancer genomes they are studying right now, ovarian cancer. Um, so I think, uh, you know, basic science always has to be done. We know a lot. And we we are extrapolating that to the clinic, but uh, more needs to be done. And I think that uh, you know, um, the, if we know more about the biology of cancer, we'll be able to introduce many more uh, new cancer drugs um, that are that are effective. Right now, we're if you look at all of the drugs that are being approved by the FDA, the cancer drugs don't have as much of a success rate as some of the other drugs for other um, other health problems. And there's a problem there that we don't know enough about the biology of cancer to be able to um, make sure that those drugs are effective and are safe. Uh, so um, that's really what people want to focus on now. A lot of the pharmaceutical companies are looking at that right now. And we're hopeful that the great basic science advances will really help what we're doing in the clinic with these new drugs. 
And also, um, uh, Dr. Zodier, for John as well, you're, so, uh, you're funded, obviously, you've got this great um, pipeline here with Stand Up to Cancer, but prior to that, um, talk about how else you're funded, and because I know there's also a nonprofit sort of arm of your organization, is that right? Oh, yes, we're a 501c3 organization. Yes, we receive uh, funds from pharmaceutical companies that provide uh, funds for our meetings uh, and also funds to travel young investigators to our meetings, uh, funds for, uh, for for career development awards um, and, and fellowship, um, you know, important educational activities. So in addition to those monies that we are receiving uh, from St. to Cancer, which are um, really, they come in and then they go out again to the best projects, you know, it's being done in the world. We also have these other um, funds that we receive from pharmaceutical and biotech firms to help uh, the, the, the uh, young, uh, the next generation, as we call the next generation of cancer researchers, young scientists, uh, who are really doing a lot of the lion's share of the, the great new advances. I mean, I think it's quite remarkable to look back and also we will be looking forward and seeing that many new advances will be coming from that young generation uh, of minds that have great ideas about how to attack this uh, disease. We also, of course, receive money from um, individuals as well. And we're growing our own philanthropic um, uh, funding here um, all the time in an effort to try to do more because the federal government is, um, you know, is not doing as much as we would like it to do in terms of funding cancer and biomedical research, and, and perhaps John um, has something to say about that. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dr. Fodi. I mean, uh, as, as probably your listeners know, Matt and Lisa, there's a, a tremendous attention and focus right now on deficit reduction in Washington, D.C. by both Congress and the President, or I should say the incoming Congress next year. Um, and this, uh, the emphasis is really going to be on cutting government programs. And this is extremely concerning to us and, and really the entire biomedical cancer research community because the majority of cancer research in the United States is supported by the National Institutes of Health, uh, which uh, it receives $31 billion a year, and the National Cancer Institute, which is part of the National Institutes of Health, which receives $5 billion every year. Um, with, with the new House Republican leadership, uh, they have commented and they have put uh, a proposal on the table to actually cut back all those funding levels to right now we are in fiscal year 2011. They want to cut back those funding levels to fiscal year 2008. So what, what government was really uh, providing for cancer researchers three years ago, they want to do in 2011. So that would be a significant cut and uh, we really, the community, your listeners, uh, we really need to convince Congress that NIH, the National Institutes of Health, and the National Cancer Institute needs to be protected. I was going to say that raises an interesting point. We've done, we had a lot of legislators on, the, phone, uh, on, the, on the, the show recently. We had Congressman Wasserman Schultz on the show, and she was very adamant about the early act and what it took to push, this, push these things forward. We've had people on the show that talked about Hillary Clinton's initiatives with the Childhood Cancer Act. I'm not a lobbyist. I think it'd be a bad lobbyist because I'd usually bring a bat to the, to the Senate and then get arrested and thrown in Guantanamo, and I'm not going to put myself in that situation. But what does it honestly take to really break through and, and just correct my optimism if I'm not allowed to have any when it comes to politics? Congressmen get cancer. Senators get cancer. Their kids get cancer. Their parents get cancer. 
is it is it is it, is it not that simple? Like you guys are affected by this, or is it really they have to cut corners everywhere, and this is just sort of a victim of the economy? Well, I, I mean, there's no question for uh, your listeners out there. The most important thing they can do is to be involved, to be knowledgeable, and to communicate to uh, their respective members of Congress about what's important to them. Members of Congress listen to their constituents, and I think uh, for the most part our community at times has probably been somewhat complacent. You probably can sit back and think, well, yes, uh, you're a member of Congress, everybody understands cancer research is so important, and you know that's something that you don't maybe have to make that call or send that email because they should know that. But the next thing you know, uh, they're not hearing from uh, members of Congress are not hearing from their constituents about, uh, you know, will, will, that, will that particular member of Congress not be elected next year because they may not have supported a bill that would provide funding for cancer research? I mean, we have to get to that point where members of Congress are almost fearing us. They're saying that this is a constituency. We are constituents out there, and this is the, one of the most important things to us. We think this is a, an area that government needs to be involved in and, and needs to be funding. And, and our voices and need I, to be heard on this. I would add, John, that uh, this is why ACR is planning on, is working on a progress report of cancer, especially especially important next year, Matt, because it's the 40th anniversary of the war on cancer uh, since the National Cancer Act was formed. And I think it's um, it would be very important for us to point out the progress that's been made. I mean, after all, we have 12 million Americans who are cancer survivors today, many of them are your young adults uh, on the air and uh, and, and your listeners and um, and research has has moved forward very strongly uh, but cancer is is made up of two hundred different diseases, and this is not an easy you know uh, challenge to overcome and so we need all of the funding we can get, especially since technolo- technology um, is very expensive today, so we can advance science very quickly, but we need more money to do the t- to do the technology that's needed to uh, to to make these advances. Hey, you know, one of the things I really admire about what you guys do is you're not you're not shy about what you do. Like we do cancer research, and that's all we do, and we're going to do it better than anyone. So I think that that speaks to itself. But at the end of the day, one of the things that we've learned a great deal from from the young adult community, which are millions strong is that, you know, we're getting different types of cancers than the, than the general public. We don't typically benefit from screenings because the cancers that we get aren't really easily screenable like thyroid and Hodgkin's uh, or even, even melanoma to a certain extent because it, uh, of the variables. And, uh, of, I'm not finishing sentences tonight because I'm tired and I apologize. But does the AACR have a position on early detection in different age groups or risk reduction in different age groups, or even sort of uh, risk factors such as the environment, which is a big issue for young adults? Well, Matt, I don't think we take a position on those things. But as I as I mentioned, I think increasingly we are looking at uh, all of these areas. I mean, you must know that, you know, our organization uh, must um, – uh, show expertise in in the entire spectrum of of cancer research, which looks at um, screening, uh, early detection, prevention, uh, prevention of second cancers in in uh, you know in cancer survivors and so on. I think it's very unfortunate that among young adults there 
you know, there uh, there there isn't um, a better survival as it could be. I mean, after all, young adults are young. They're 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 thriving. They should be thriving. Uh, there should be a better level of participation uh, in clinical trials. There should be more adherence to oral medications. There are a lot of things that can improve survival in young adults, and we need to find uh, find those answers. I think there is beginning a movement to focus more and more on uh, young adults, and, and I certainly am uh, very much in favor of that. I think we have to look at all age groups, uh, particularly this one, because it hasn't received sufficient attention. Uh, we have a question from the chat room about sarcoma research. Jack? Yeah, um, my BFF, Lindsay, from Buffalo, New York, is asking if there's any good research being done for sarcomas. Uh, gee, off the top of my head, I would be hard put to answer that question. Um, I can, if you um, can tell me how to get in touch with this individual, I'd be very, very happy to um, to answer that question in a very definitive way. And I'm sure they can probably go to your website, correct? Yeah, and I can, we, I can forward you Lindsay's email after the show. That's not a problem. Please do, and I, okay. I will. Um, and I'll anybody else sure. who wants it, just send me a message, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll forward your info. I think that also yes, I mean, a good point. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dr. Cody. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that um, uh, our organization is um, really wanting to look very much at cancers that are developmental cancers and such that, and sarcoma happens to be one of them. One of our past presidents, um, you know, is an expert in sarcoma, and the head of our pediatric cancer <laughs> um, uh Working group happens to be a sarcoma expert, so uh, this there this is definitely an area that uh, we're focusing on. Uh, specifically, we have meetings every uh, every year, our annual meeting, and we always have a session on sarcoma. So, if there's anything uh, new and interesting, we'd be glad to provide that information. I think we we get the question a lot, and I'm a, a breast cancer survivor. Uh, 15 years, I was 29, and we make a lot of. Uh, We've done a lot of shows about the sort of pink nausea and so much uh, money going to breast cancer research, but the question comes up again uh, on our show time and time again, why can't we get more for pancreatic cancer? Why can't we get, you know, for so many of these other cancers that seem so, you know, underfunded, relatively speaking, to uh, something like breast cancer? Um, what's your, with, without yeah. sort of, again, going into specifically off the top of your head what's going on with each individual cancer, but What's your response to that when folks say, hey, this cancer gets so much att attention, pancreatic cancer, the numbers are abysmal when it comes to survival rates. Um, why can't we get more, or some of the other cancers as well, why can't we get more in our area? Well, you know, we, we don't like to get in the middle of disease wars, as you can imagine. Yeah. This, is, um, this is almost counterproductive at a time when you're targeting a pathway and not a particular organ site. Um, right. Definitely, there is more money going into pancreatic uh, cancer research, and and the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network is doing a wonderful job of getting more philanthropic funding for this disease. And having lost an uncle to this disease, I I really uh, empathize. Um, my my sense is that um, the National Institutes of Health is not happy when there are comparisons of this type, but there's no question that uh, advocates have put the spotlight on breast cancer and prostate cancer and some of the other, um, you know, uh, highly prevalent cancers. And I think we all can help by be, being major advocates uh, for more funding across the board, including for our favorite um, our favorite disease. And, and, and John, what do you, John, sorry, no, John, just, John, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. 
I was going to say, John, can you speak more to what you think the disconnect is in terms of uh, Washington and having the politicians, having to, you know, making in the public's consciousness that your politician really uh, does matter and does count in terms of uh, eradicating cancer, getting that funding, and it's not just about doing a 5K run or doing something outside of that you have to turn to your local uh, congressperson. Where, where, how can we sort of fix that, that disconnect in, in the constituency's minds? Well, um, I, I, I'm just, let's see, I'm not exactly sure uh, on your question there, I guess, but maybe I, I can answer it this way in terms of how uh, Dr. Fodi was talking about the importance of, of research and the different, uh, different kinds of cancer, types of cancer. One thing we have to do when we go to uh, members of Congress is to uh, explain to them that right now only 10% of the grants uh, the applications that are coming to the National Institutes of Health are being funded. So you're talking about 90% of the applications coming in to NIH are, 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 are just on the cutting uh, uh, floor. I mean, they're not being looked at and everything, and that's a huge uh, problem. That kind of message to, to members of Congress, to, to be able to tell them that 9 out of 10 doors are not being opened uh, for potential, where there could be potential cures, discoveries, leading to um, you know, major progress in this in this area is something that Congress has to hear about. We are losing a lot of major uh, champions in the next Congress. Uh, Senator Specter was instrumental in providing the National Institutes of Health with $10 billion in the stimulus uh, bill that passed two years ago. He lost his race in, in, in Pennsylvania, where AACR is headquartered. We're losing Chairman David Obey of the House Appropriations Committee, who was there during the doubling of NIH between 1998 and 2003. Uh, Congress is a very, very important uh, body. They're the ones that dictates as, as with the president on how much money uh, the National Institutes of Health receives each year. And Matt's question earlier just about um, uh, young adults and, and, uh, and, and the cancers that, you, uh, that, that your constituency suffers from, we need to, your constituency, constituency needs to go to Capitol Hill and provide that message. Explain the members of Congress that the cancers that are happening in your group are different and there needs to be more research in that area. Uh, it really is uh, all about advocacy and education. But I would go back to just the fundamental philosophical shift that would you agree, or maybe you don't have a, a statement about this, but in the next five to ten years, this, the war on cancer as it approaches its 50-year anniversary, and I believe it will kind of still be here in 50 years, uh, 50 years later, this shift towards a non-organ-specific mm -hmm. fundamental philosophy, that it's about molecular medicine and genomics, do you think there will come a time where we won't need a breast cancer or a prostate cancer or a colon cancer organization and everyone will just be under cancer? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I think we all hope so. Uh, was that Matt speaking? Um, yeah. I, I think. Uh, I think we we really do hope that the public will become much more educated. Actually, I think a lot of the advocates who who feel the need to push very hard for their own individual uh, cancers, their own individual tumor sites, um, are are coming around to the fact that. Um, that this is definitely the, the wave of the future, that the people who are being uh, treated uh, uh, with uh, appropriate drugs for their particular genome 
are, are will do better, will survive better and longer. And so um, I think that there will be uh, a time. You know, there are, this is, certainly is the desire of our organization. But right now, if, if you have a mother who's died of a particular cancer, you know, and you want to give money to cancer, what's happening is that people, you know, are, are focusing on that particular uh, tumor site. It's unfortunate, but um, but I think uh, down the road things are definitely uh, will become more sophisticated. Because that's that's what happened with pediatric cancer. They they pretty much you very rarely hear of you know, verticals in pediatric cancer. The treatments are based on specific protocols developed based on the age, and not necessarily the disease. And it just makes sense to me that you're you are extrapolating what has worked with COG for the last thirty years towards everyone else. And it's it's personally that's my pulpit is to get people to realize it's not about what part of your body has cancer anymore. It's about your genes. Yes, well, I think uh, advocates like yourself are really making a difference in that regard, and uh, and smart people will uh, listen and and um, and learn, and um, eventually, I think we all will be together, and there won't be any disease wars. I mean, right now, I know some of the more lethal cancers are trying to get attention to uh, to those cancers on the hill, and um, I know that there are big concerns about that. So, thank you for your advocacy along the lines that you just said. I think it's going to do better for for all cancers going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're just about out of time. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on our season finale here, and I can't stress enough to our listeners out there the relevancy of raising awareness, not just that young adults can indeed get cancer, but as you noted, uh, Dr. Fodi, we get different cancers, and it is important that we discuss this with our congressional legislators and leaders. And I would I would lean on you for direction on how we can take advantage of your experience in putting something like that together for next year. I think that would be a very relevant and actionable program we could organize. Well, thank you. We really would love to work together with you. We're at a point in time when scientific breakthroughs are happening at a faster pace, and uh, and if we can work together to to make sure that cancer research saves more lives, we'll, we'll all be much happier. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be on your program, and and have a, a great holiday. And, and might I say again, inspired. I was inspired by the people on your on your show, and your comments. Uh, it's great to uh, see the enthusiasm of survivors, uh, and and your and to see also directly the help that you're providing this field. We're building a religion. It takes a while, but we're very excited about it. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, you so Foddy. much. All right, Dr. Foddy John Ressler from the American Association John of Ressler, Cancer thank Research. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Lisa. Great show, great show. I just have one little button here, and there are notes. I want to make everyone aware that this coming April, AACR will be issuing a uh, a groundbreaking report that illustrates some of the research success over the past 40 years. We like to make fun of the war on cancer because we keep saying, well, how's that going? Because it just seems that more people are getting cancer and that we're not really understanding why. But at the same time, more people are surviving cancer for longer periods of time with a higher quality of life. And we just step back and look at that arc, it's still going to suck that young adults are getting cancer and they're not being told about their fertility. But 20 years ago, they just would have died. So we have to look at the better than the alternative situation here. So I am very much looking forward to reading this report that AACR is putting out next April, highlighting the directions in cancer research, where they see themselves going. And you know what? I like this idea of we never considered legislation. Like I said, I'm probably not the best person to go to Capitol Hill because I'll take, like, a cleaver and a bat and a mace with me. 
maybe maybe just some sort of other blunt force trauma object like the Livestrong Award that we won. And I think maybe yeah, I think maybe you and Jack stay in New York. Maybe that's something for Kenny Kane and, and Eloise. They might be best to represent us. Yeah, the can hell. I can I give you a piece of advice? There are metal detectors on Capitol Hill. <laughs> no ceramics. It's all about ceramics these days. Or like that wooden one from uh, in the line of that wooden gun the oh, guy the, made it yeah, in, the the line of fire. in the line of fire gun exactly exactly. Look, we send a couple of redheads down. We can't lose. No, we can't really lose. We'll yeah. throw Tamika in the mix and boom. Oh, now it's hot. Right. What does brown and red make if you mix them together? War? <laughs> what? <laughs> so bad. Oh my God, this is a great show. I'm excited to close out the year with this. It's all. It's not about your body parts anymore, people. It's about genomics. Molecular medicine and the future of cancer research. Well, and I think that's part of the appeal of I2I is that we don't care what type of cancer you had. You're just one of us because you're a young adult that was diagnosed with cancer. Right, exactly. And the whole, if you want to go cry in the shower, go somewhere else. But if you want to focus on what type of cancer you have, go find your cancer organization's organ-based disease. And that's fine. We need that. That's important. But, yes, we're not about what you had. We're, that, we're about that you're here. That's right. That's true. Lisa, do you own a snowblower? Because I understand that you might be stuck up there and we're not going to see you again for a while. I do own a snowblower. I'm okay. happy to say uh, we do lots of things here in the woods, chop our, chop our own trees down practically. Uh, yes, get rid of the snow. They trade wampum for, like, for, for coats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tan your own hides. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Fell our own trees, tan our own hides. Right. Uh, all that good stuff. This is boy. This has been a brutally, brutally cold uh, December. Yes, uh, it has. So, yes, it has. Uh, we'll have a little bit of time off now and celebrate our holidays. And I'm excited to come back and kick off our new season in a couple of weeks. Yes, once again, folks, we are off the air for one month. We are coming back on Monday, January 17th, live at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. Uh, we unfortunately don't rebroadcast our shows, but you're you're welcome to peruse. Any of our previous shows at iTunes.i2y.com. I'm sorry, iTunes.stupidcancer. We've switched our domain to stupidcancer.com. Yeah, we're switching everything over to stupidcancer.com. Our email addresses, the events page. Right. So if you've missed any of our shows or if you want to listen to any of our shows, all you have to do is go into iTunes, and everyone owns iTunes, and just go to the store and search for Stupid Cancer. Our show will pop up. You click subscribe for free. And every one of our broadcasts will be automatically downloaded to your iTunes. You can listen to them at your leisure. If you miss a live show, you can catch it at your leisure the next day or whenever. So by all means. And uh, I was just informed that we launched a new forum on the Stupid Cancer Forums called I Just Need to Vent. So you know what? If you're pissed and you need a shoulder to cry on and you don't have one, consider logging on to the Stupid Cancer Forums and put your rant in the I Just Need to vent. Can I add a clause to that? What, like the bitch fest? That is not a jack bashing forum. It's not a jack bashing forum. No, you can just vent. Uh, as Lindsay Gina signs off of it. Right, exactly. Just need to vent. We. I, I just got word. When breaking news, seven thousand people just signed up for the forums. <laughs> They're all writing about Jack in the. <laughs> but anyway. seriously, folks. Enjoy your time off. Enjoy your holidays. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy 2011. Be sure to check out the Leukemia Lymphoma Society YA Connect on January 5th. Again, the website is lls.org slash YA Connect. And mark your calendars. The OMG registration goes live February 1st at noon. 
All right, good stuff, folks. And now it's time for our closing sequence, our final closing sequence of 2010. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All righty, folks. Lisa, you want to take it? It's up to you. Sure, I'll take it. That's tonight's show, our 165th, 165th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Hope you get sick at stupid cancer. All right, I'd like to thank our guests, John Retzleff, Margaret Frody, and the one and only Daniel Stolfi. And remember, we are on hiatus until January 17th. When we will be back, bigger and better than ever, when we launch Season 8 of The Stupid Cancer Show. All right, once again, if you missed any of our shows, go to iTunes, search for Stupid Cancer, download all of them. And remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next year on January 17, 2011, live from the chemo deck. Jack Buffard, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stupid and I wish you all Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Go to bread, Peza, Ziza, whatever that means. I have no idea what I just said. Peza? Peza? I have no idea what's going on at this point in time. Go home and see your twins. Happy New Year. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. Bye-bye. Peza? 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 I'm so tired right now. Go to bed, Matt. I'm going to bed. Good night, everybody.